0: Filming
1: the camera. Here we go. And action. Their camera captured a secret
2: they were never meant to see. What the hell? We
1: can't tell anybody. We have to forget we were
2: there. On June 10th I've got nine
1: people missing now. What's gonna happen to us? Who will survive the truth?
3: Super 8. In theaters and IMAX June 10th.
0: Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. And in the house today, we are talking JJ Abrams Super 8. But before we jump into the movie, we have a guest. We have Nate from All what? Things Reviewed here. Nate, introduce yourself.
2: What's up guys? Like you said, I'm Nate, 22 years old from Memphis, Tennessee, been a been a film fan for as far back as I can remember. Studied film some in college as um, I liked, of course, as like he said, I run an Instagram account, uh, kind of like a film blog, all things reviewed, and currently I'm prepping to enter grad school well, I'll be working towards a master's degree in journalism and strategic media. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited.
0: I can respect the Grizzlies fan always. Grit and grind in the house. Grit and grind.
2: <laughs> 100%. Got way, way too much memorabilia in here, but you know, it is <laughs> what it is. It That's the way exactly. it should be. Exactly. the way it should
0: be. Before we go in, let's do a quick icebreaker so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sounds good. Nate, tell us, what
2: is your favorite
0: bad movie?
2: Favorite bad movie. Now, okay, this is an easy choice for me, and it's kind of been my go-to bad movie, I guess. My go-to bad movie, and you guys have actually mentioned it on one of your podcasts, is Twister.
0: Twister. (laughs) Twister. Yes. All right, Ren, this is... Confirmed, we have to do Twister in the future now. Now that Nate has said
3: this, yeah,
2: yeah, I've still been mean to rewatch this. Oh man, what is it about Twister that you love? It came out you know, disaster movie heyday, it's got a great cast. But really, what did it for me? I saw it at six years old, and around that time, I was obsessed with natural disasters. I would read dozens of books a week about volcanoes, earthquakes, hurricanes tornadoes are my favorite i know that sounds kind of morbid but i don't know i was a kid (laughs) and your
3: favorite type of natural disaster yeah and so i was
2: this is going to sound weird and super random but it's true i went to get my haircut at like a kid's haircut place and like my mom took me and on the tv for the kids to watch twister was on tv
3: nice wow
2: that's
0: a good way to scar children
2: you know exactly but like i saw the tornado and my mom was like oh twister you like you like disasters. We should watch that. That's a good movie. You should we should do that. There you and go. So they got it for me. And then up until I was about sixteen, any time it would like storm hard, I would just turn Twister on, whether it be in the background or watching. <laughs> oh, intently. get in the mood for it. Nice. Yeah. And so I've seen it probably like two hundred times. I know that sounds exaggerated, but I mean I watch it so much for the first you know. <laughs> Chunk of my life. I don't for watch sure. it as much now, but I still love it.
3: I was scared for a second that you were getting like a a haircut, and then like there was a, a tornado t-
1: coming. <laughs> oh my I'm god! I'm glad I didn't go oh, that direction, go that story, that way. Yeah, that that would
3: have been really meta. <laughs>
1: it
0: would have been more scarring. That's a good segue into the next question I want to ask you, which is: What is your favorite movie to rewatch? What is the movie you've watched the most?
2: Obviously, Twister. I've rewatched quite a few times, but. um I guess my favorite rewatch, it kind of fluctuates on like what I'm into at the moment. Like Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with the films of Wong Kar Wai.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Well. Yeah,
2: but um, I think my favorite to return to is Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. Ooh. Oh, my guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I think Ren just fell in love with you a little bit.
3: <laughs> what, do you, what do you love most about it?
2: Um, I first saw it when I was 18. It was. I couldn't sleep one night. I was just perusing through Netflix and I saw it. And I was like, I know Quentin Tarantino. I haven't seen this this yet. <laughs> and so I watched it and I was like, Whoa, this is this is. It just blew my mind. And it the soundtrack was like instantly Excellent. instantly on my right. Spotify. And and ever since then I've just. I've always, I just keep feeling the need to revisit it a couple times a year, and it's it's now my favorite film of all time, which I know is kind of an odd choice, but
3: especially out of that filmography, respect though. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: know. I recognize it's a bit it's a bit of an odd choice, but um, I really enjoy it, and I just keep getting more out of it every time.
0: Well, Nate, I think uh, Ren officially wants to be your best friend now. I think you've taken my place as best (laughs) friend with your two choices here.
3: When, when when quarantine is over, we'll be going to Memphis over there and uh, catching a game <laughs> uh, yeah. for sure. And You're watching any- Jackie Brown after.
2: Exactly. Anytime. Anytime.
0: <laughs> well, let's jump into the podcast today. As I mentioned before, we are talking J.J. Abrams Super 8. I'm excited to talk about this for a lot of different reasons. I don't want to get too into it now because we're going to talk a lot of right it on. later. So let's just talk Super 8. Released June of 2011. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Written by J.J. Abrams. Produced by Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams. This is like an all-over J.J. joint we have here. <laughs> Music by Michael Giacchino. Could be something more Italian than that. Just going to go with Giacchino. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the cast. For the four main characters, that, or I guess five, but the four main boys. You have Joel Courtney as Joe Lamb. Riley Griffith as Charles Kaznick, Gabriel Basso as Martin Reed. Ryan Lee as carrie mccarthy those are the four main boys we meet throughout the movie then you have al fanning as alice daynard Mm -hmm. kyle chandler Mm -hmm. as deputy jackson lamb and then i wrote down noah emmerich as colonel nellick and that is all written down for this cast is there anybody else you want to mention
2: i want to shout out joel mckinnon miller who plays mr kasnik it's a pretty bit part but i don't know if we have any brooklyn 99 fans he's scully oh on brooklyn 99 yeah good point i, like, I good know point. that
3: guy
0: what do i know him from <laughs> yeah same here i saw him i was like the guy looks familiar he's probably just some dad in another movie but it is brooklyn 99
2: he only has like one or two shots where you can clearly see his face so i didn't recognize him at first but when i finally saw his face i was like oh my god it's it's scully <laughs> so
0: ren anybody else you want to mention just those two,
3: Noah Emmerich and uh, and Scully here are like two like perfect that guys who I never know what their like real name is. But it's like, oh, I've seen him in like all these things.
0: Yeah. Two very recognizable faces that we don't really know the actors very well, but we've seen them in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Movie has a budget of $50 million. It grossed about $260 million worldwide, which is mm. obviously very exceptional. Yeah. Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> Critic score 81%, audience score 75%. Ren, I'll go to you. How do you feel about these two percentages? Any thoughts?
3: Right, not, not a big gap with this one. So critics and audience were pretty uh, on point. Story-wise, you know, it's this nice coming-of-age story that we've seen before. Abrams obviously paying homage to Spielberg. It's a formula that works and looks like the critics and the audience agree with that.
2: I was kind of looking it up and... This is this is J.J. Abrams' only film that's not a sequel or a reboot, so I think it just shows you. Yes, the, but it, it almost is a sequel slash reboot of its own, just because it's so clearly an homage to Spielberg, and the fact that you know Spielberg's a producer on here. He was on set a lot. His production company, you know, Amblin, with the ET logo before the yes. movie starts. But it's like Ren said, it's it's a formula that works. Kids riding on bikes in an extraordinary circumstance not going not going to events huh. for some reason it's a genre that, <laughs> yep. yeah it's a genre that just works and it, it maybe it's nostalgia bait but i don't know i i kind of fall in love with it every time no matter what well
0: you make some excellent points that we're going to probably talk about very later but yeah i think this is also a really good segue into the more you know because fact number one i have here Contrary to popular belief, Super 8 is J.J.'s first original movie. As Nate mentioned, it's not his first movie. J.J. Abrams' actually directorial debut was Mission Impossible 3. He then went went on to produce Cloverfield, not direct Cloverfield, I think that's like a very common misconception. It's kind of like the Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas thing.
3: Mm -hmm, I was going to say, perfect.
0: Yeah, a lot of people think J.J. directed Cloverfield because his name was everywhere when that movie came out. Yeah. But really, he only produced it. And then (laughs) after this, he directed Star Trek, and then he makes uh, Super 8. So Super 8's his first original work. And I like how Nate mentioned it is original in the sense that it's his own written material, but mm-hmm. it's not very original in the sense that it's not the first kids on bikes riding through a, <laughs> a Midwestern town trying to yeah. solve some supernatural mystery. Randy, do you have any uh, facts for the more you know?
3: Yeah, I do want to point out that after a train cat crashes in the first like big accident of the movie, uh, Charles says about the white cubes, they look like white Rubik's Cubes. The Rubik's Cube hasn't been invented until, like, a year later. Ooh. This is a big-budget Hollywood movie yeah. with a lot of people, like, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Mm-hmm. Isn't there someone in charge of, like,
0: fact-checking these types of things? Yeah, that's a it's a big miss. It's like a coffee cup in Game of Thrones big miss. Like, you would imagine that right. at some point someone should have caught the fact that Rubik's Cube came out after the setting yeah. of the movie. Interesting. There's at least Interesting. like five
3: people in this editing room at I mean, least, right? at, least. <laughs> at some point.
2: Yeah. Honestly, they were probably, they probably didn't notice it in the script. And JJ was like, this is a really funny line. And then when they went to film it, they're like, actually Rubik's cubes were invented. And he's like, well, I like the line. So I'm probably just going to keep it.
0: <laughs> I would imagine that's exactly how it went.
2: Yeah. Cause the cubes were literally designed, I think, to look like Rubik's cubes. I mean, there's no way they weren't designed without that in mind.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
2: I feel like he's like, well, I can't change all the 200,000 Rubik's Cubes we made, so let's just keep <laughs> it in. <laughs>
0: let's just keep it in. Yeah. you have anything to add, Nate, to the more you know?
2: Yeah, I just have uh, a couple that I saw that was kind of funny and also a cool fact. The Operation Walking Distance that the military mm. puts in place to evacuate the town is a reference to a Twilight Zone episode of the oh, same right. name. Interesting. Um haven't seen that episode, but it's kind of like another Spielberg tie because Spielberg directed part of the Twilight Zone movie. And then Elle Fanning was 12 when she made the film and she has to drive a car since it was illegal and they didn't want to do it on a set. They have someone in a contained area in the back of the car with a mini steering wheel actually driving the car.
0: So I read that fact and thought that was extremely interesting for two reasons, one that Elle Fanning was 12 when she were, was in this movie, which which kind of surprising to me. because She looks a lot older than all of the kids in this movie. I yeah. thought she was at least like 16. And then the other part that was interesting was that I know it's illegal, but it's not like mm-hmm. she's like driving on the, the freeway to go to get yeah, food. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine she's on a closed set. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. really get by on that it seems kind of interesting to me
3: i mean that's, that's great There, because there's definitely some directors out there i'm not going to name names who may or may not force their <laughs> underage <laughs> actors or actresses to do legal or legal things out there Oh.
0: <laughs> i guess jj just cared about her well being so i can't really very good JJ. job by jj here i do want to add for the more you know one other fact that i read i hope it's a fact but it's more of an <laughs> anecdote on april fool's One of the characters, I believe it was the character the actor who plays Charles, tried to prank JJ by telling him, Hey, I lost my script and someone stole it in LA and they posted it online. And apparently it worked. And I like this fact for a couple reasons. One, that it worked, and then I would have loved to see JJ's face when someone Mm -hmm. told him your script's online. Oh yeah. But two, I think it's kind of a testament to what the name JJ Abrams means. It means like Mm -hmm. secrecy. It means Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. hidden. and something big is coming. And I think this kind of tidbit really supports and reinforces that whole legacy that JJ has built for himself.
2: Yeah, well the funny thing is oh, that totally. the, that something like that actually happened with John Boyega cuz he left it under his hotel bed and someone on oh, the clean like, I remember this. Yeah, they found it and put it up on eBay, but then Disney bought it on eBay. I think oh, is that's what right. happened. So like it actually did happen, which is <laughs> funny like years later. <laughs>
0: The legacy of JJ is something that is to be noted because he has made a name for himself prior to this with his connections to Lost and Alias. And then obviously Cloverfield was kind of a big deal. I remember it came out one 1- 18- 18 January 18th, 08. I remember yeah. that date. my Very birthday. My, my birthday. Well, your birthday. Oh, yeah. Nice. But I remember the buildup to Cloverfield being huge. I remember spending... So much time on the internet trying to look up, you know, like all these little hidden facts and like clues to just <laughs> to find out what kind of monster this was. And so, leading up to this movie, I was really excited. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah.
3: The Cloverfield, I think we saw it together on like a midnight showing. And yeah, you, you were talking about all the stuff that the viral marketing that they had done prior to Cloverfield. And I think that's what is really good at even with super eight with this one in particular, that scene where the kids see, um, I think it's like the home video of the alien with the, with their teacher.
1: Oh yeah. That yeah, was
3: yeah. part of like, they released that online. And I'm like, Oh, you, you get to see like the hand a little bit. So he, they're just fantastic at, you know, making you interested and ready for the movie.
2: I guess he, he's famous for his mystery box idea and i think it works mostly well in all his films outside of a few rise of skywalker being one of them but uh um, but yeah like for me i'm a little bit younger than you guys so my first experience with jj abrams because like cloverfield was a little too intense for my parents to be like yeah we're going to take you to see that Mm. yeah but i they did take me to see star trek which i'm always been a star wars guy but i loved that Star Trek movie still do. I, I think it's really, really well done. And so as a kid, I was like, who directed that? I wanted to see whatever he does next. And so yeah. when Super 8 came out, um, we didn't get to go to the theater a ton when I was younger, but um, it, it, I watched it on Blu-ray one night. They rented it for me because I had been asking and asking to see it, and eventually they rented it for me. And we watched it together, and I loved it, and it was Redbox, so we had to return it the next day. And nice. I stayed up late past when I was supposed to stay up and watched it uh, again that same night because I loved it so much. I was. It's definitely a movie that impacted me as a kid, for sure. The legacy and
0: myth of JJ and the fact that he can do the things that he does to get people excited. I kind of wish more directors did that. I'm yeah. not saying I want to see like Tarantino show like clips of a trailer for his next movie and like get us hyped. But I'm saying I think more people should be more secretive with what they are releasing. Sometimes trailers nowadays just show way too much. For real. They're like three minutes long and you
3: see, okay, there's uh, arc one, two, and three. Got it.
2: Because I think it's funny, especially with the two big Disney properties, the Marvel trailers give away like oh boy, most of the movie, whereas the Star Wars trailers, you have no idea what's happening in any of the Star Wars trailers, which I mean, JJ was involved in that. So, but still it's just, very interesting contrast
3: great point i mean the black widow trailer i was like okay i i know her whole family and her whole backstory now got it don't need to
0: see it they definitely show a lot in those trailers let's move to uh, the actual movie let's talk about some of our favorite scenes here the first thing i really want to mention is the train crash scene
1: (laughs) guys this is gonna be great Get the lights and camera set up on that end. We'll shoot this direction first. Joe, get the mic plugged in and make sure that the new batteries are in the camera. Okay. Before you do the makeup. Okay. I took apart two packs of cherry bombs and I made my own MAE. Do you, do you want to
2: see it? Your obsession with fireworks, and I'm saying this as a friend, concerns me and my mother. Sweetheart, this is my job. I have no choice.
0: We kind of touched on it in the that beginning. I, I think you? the scene works for a lot of different reasons. I know it's purposely sensationalized. Obviously, trains don't derail in that fashion. Yeah, no kidding.
2: Thing, things are exploding
0: <laughs> and flying around. I mean, it's pretty in- intense. I watched it's it last like night a Michael Bay, Bay movie.
2: It, it really is like was I was
0: movie. thinking
3: like if the plane if the if the train and unstoppable actually crashed, would it even be
2: this
0: catastrophic?
2: <laughs> Probably not. Even Tony Scott is like, all right, let's chill. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I watched this with my girlfriend. The first thing she says was this is more intense than I remembered it being. But the scene works still, and it's still a lot of fun to watch. And I like when Charles yelling production value, as (laughs) movie lovers, we are all very, you know we all love movies here. So we all kind of love the point where he's yelling production Mm -hmm. value and he's so intense and directing. But I just love the scene a lot for a lot of those reasons.
2: Man, this is my favorite scene too. And for a lot of the same reasons you said, I think, for my favorite is like especially like the lead up to the scene. We the music kind of cued us in that something sinister's going on, you know, then but then we kinda cut to them getting out of school and they're talking about the movie, they hang out with each other. But then that scene really starts when they're singing My Sharona on the curb, which is just a really fun moment. And then Alice, L. Fanning's character, pulls up in the car and she's really cool and they obviously all have a crush on her, which is funny. And then um, when they get to the set, and like you said, the production value, they actually seem like friends. And they yeah, seem like yeah, they have really yeah. good chemistry together. And I think that's just what really works about the scene. I love the action of it too. It's just amazing and over the top. But I just love it for how great the chemistry is with the kids. And it, it helps ground the movie because it feels like they they know each other nice. in real life.
3: Yeah, just to add to every, I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I love the scene. It sets up the movie really well. And I think a really important part is kind of how jj has paced the movie i everything Mm -hmm. leading up to this point and the whole accident itself is paced really well i mean this is only like 15 or 20 minutes into the movie and we already have the big accident and we're introduced to all these kids you guys said great chemistry you're hooked you care joe has had this terrible accident in his life where his mom passes away so you're definitely invested in what's about to happen
0: to them. Yeah, great scene. Love it as well. I also want to mention another scene. I really like and enjoy the first attack on the bus scene, specifically for a few reasons. One, it's the first time we actually see the monster. We see like tidbits of him in the beginning, him attacking the gas station and him crawling out of the train. We really hadn't seen the alien before this in action until this moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and I'm not going to lie. I think it, it delivered, in a sense. I have some issues with the alien monster, and I kind of want to talk about later.
2: Yeah, I think we'll say okay. that.
0: <laughs> I am surprised by how violent it got, considering this movie is rated PG-13, I think. Noah Emmerich's character gets literally smashed against the wall and, like, blood bladders everywhere. And it's, it's pretty scary. I mean, it reminds me of, like, the classic monster movie where the monster's outside everybody's hiding in the bus mm-hmm. and it's yep. paced again really really well the music's great flickering lights it's just mm-hmm. a good scene for a monster movie
3: you know i this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie as well loved everything you mentioned i do have to say one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is in this the <laughs> like lower class personnel that nelic orders he goes hey is there any particular place you want me to shoot this thing like this thing is like 20 feet tall, like, <laughs> yeah. shoot it literally anywhere, and if the tracking dart doesn't work, then you shoot it again, but you know what, he gets his face smashed in as well, so he's he's done for shortly. Anything you liked about it, Nate?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed that scene too, um, that line is that always cracks me up, and the look the bus driver gives him when he's like, hey, open the door, and he's like, really? <laughs> you want me to open the door? But no, and like the kids' reactions are super great. Like they're screaming. Yeah. Martin freaking throws up, and <laughs> it's like they're complaining about they're being puked when there's literally a monster trying to kill them. It's just really great. And then of course when they escape, the probably the most adult scene of the movie because, like you said, it's super violent. People are getting crushed. There's gore everywhere. Kids are almost die. Mm. And then the stoner pulls up and drops an f bomb.
0: <laughs> oh yes, that's right.
2: <laughs> he's like he's super stoned. As a kid, I found that hilarious because you know I was younger and I was like, "Ooh, an f bomb! I'm not usually Ooh, allowed f to word. hear that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what is the rule for PG-13 movies? You get two f words, and it's movie. like one. You get one.
3: You get like you get one one oh, f bomb, and then
0: like minimal smoking. Yeah, Is smoking like a really bad thing now too, right? I don't. I don't know. I need to look up the rules on smoking. I thought it was a two f bomb rule, but it might be one. You guys are probably right.
3: Well, what was the sequel to Get Shorty? I think Be Cool said it in the movie was like John Travolta or one of them in there said you get one or two F-bombs.
2: Yeah, I think it's one. And unless there's like hardly any other language or violence, then you can get two, unless you're James Cameron and then you can say it and also have nudity in your pg-13 movie but i don't don't know (laughs) it's true
3: lies only pg-13 i gotta look that
0: up yeah (laughs) and another scene i want to mention and this is kind of surprising because i didn't think i was going to mention this scene Mm -hmm. until i watched it again last night but i actually really really like the ending to this movie i thought the ending was surprisingly really emotional the music fits the scene really really well yeah Uh, the whole theme of the alien really wasn't there to kill people, was really just a hostage on planet Earth Mm -hmm. and really just wants to leave Earth and go back home surprising what what other movie has an alien wanting to go back home the entire movie Mm, i don't know oh
3: (laughs) (laughs) i I, they probably they probably wouldn't be involved in this movie either right yeah
0: (laughs) if that person had the idea
2: the famous shot of the movie is probably not in the logo either
0: (laughs) it's an obvious homage to you know to spielberg's in in et but i i I didn't remember the scene and then we were watching it last night it struck a chord with me and i really liked it i want to hear what you guys thought
3: Yeah, When Joe has, like, the emotional connection as well with the alien, I was really taken aback by that. I I guess they had been alluding to it throughout the whole movie that the teacher himself or the guy who used to work for the army as well when he was grabbed by the alien or when the alien touches you. Mm -hmm. You get this, like, he's in your mind, basically. So he understands that, oh, like, this guy, Joe, means well, and he really just wants me to leave as well. And... You know, I was trying to find a way to like almost like nitpick it, but I was like, okay, this works. This makes sense to me.
2: I do have some problems with the alien, but I'm gonna save it for nitpicks. But like you said, the ending sure. scene, the ending scene is very emotional. Like it's just flat out emotional. The score is so beautiful. Um, the the two dads have connected, and they go hug their two kids. Mm tough looks for carrie who's just sitting there by himself but i mean you know <laughs> yeah, poor carrie gets left yeah alone, poor carrie but... i mean he gets to see an alien so i guess it's pretty cool but yeah um, it worked out for him pretty well
3: it's okay they've a they've completely abandoned the other friend what's his
2: name preston or something oh yeah oh, preston's wait. just chilling at the army base he's just gone but no i really like it when um the locket goes out of his pocket some nitpicks some nitpicks with the locket going but not some of the cars but again that's okay oh yeah because it's so emotional, the locket opens up, he sees his mom, but finally his dad's giving yeah. him a hug, and he's like, I can let go now, because I have a parent caring for me right now, and of course, when the locket hits the thing, that's the last thing that sends the alien ship up, and I was like, yeah, this is cheesy, but my I'm getting a little sweaty in the eyes, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it worked, it worked. It worked, it worked. When I saw it when I was younger, it didn't really strike too much with me, I think being mm-hmm. older now, you know? I just turned the big three O. Mm. I am more in touch with Congrats. my feelings. Thank you, thank you. I think it's just the fact that the idea of the loss of the mother, which also the opening of the movie is really, really dark and really sad. Yeah. That whole idea of losing a mother and then finally letting go, both quite literally with the locket and mm-hmm. emotionally letting go of the baggage of her death it really worked out.
2: You, you did. No, you didn't. You planted that story about the chicken. I didn't plant
1: the
0: story about the chicken. What's he talking about? You're
2: me accused of animal cruelty. Let's Seriously, talk about the, chicken. the
0: chicken. I want to All talk right. about a few things that this movie doesn't do well mm-hmm. and that really holds mm. it back from being Spielberg perfection. I've listed here a couple things. Three minutes of screen time for the alien. Is that ah, enough? Ren, yeah. I'll turn to you. What do you think? You know
3: what? I actually think it's the right amount. I was battling with this as I was watching the movie. Actually, I guess the whole like third act of it, it seems like we see the monster a good amount. So I'm like, do they actually show it too much in a way? Or do you see it in its full gamut too much? Because I, I like all the little bits and pieces of seeing, okay, this body part, that body part. During the bus attack that we talked about, you kind of see its outline a little bit better. Most of its body. I am actually okay with the three minute screen time for our alien here. To counter that a little bit, though, does it look a little too similar to the Cloverfield monster?
0: So now we're getting into my second chicken point.
3: There we go. Okay, I'm glad that that segue.
0: <laughs> Before we get to that point, I do want to see what Nate thinks. Nate, do you think three minutes of screen time for this alien, do you think it was enough?
2: It's kind of multifaceted how I feel about it. I think three minutes of screen time is enough if the alien was actually like the ultimate bad guy of it because everything's always more wow. scary. Everything's scarier in our heads. Like, so the yes. fact that you can't see it makes you fear it more. But at the very end of the movie, they're like, Oh, actually the military is bad and it was forced here. And then they give it like puppy dog sure. eyes at the end. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> they it, do. And so like the alien was at, they say that Joe had this psychic connection with it, but because he had trauma, so they connected, but like, Alice, L. Fanny's character, also had trauma and he was about to eat her. The switch to feeling bad for the alien is really abrupt and I don't think necessarily executed well because and it's kind of part of my chicken is the military is just so evil. <laughs> like, they yeah. take Joe's locket from him as, like, confiscated materials. But, like, bro... Yeah, it's, it's kind of fucked up. It's a metal... Ne- yeah, it's a metal necklace. Like, what's he going to do with that? But it's just to make him seem super evil
0: good points good points so i personally think three minutes wasn't enough but i do like nate's point that if maybe if it was the primary villain in the movie Mm -hmm. it would have been enough kind of a la hannibal lecter where i guess even Mm. hannibal lecter is not even the main villain in that movie but he had 15 minutes of screen time so 15 minus or versus three a little bit different Mm -hmm. but the fact that they Make it seem like it's the villain, and towards the end, really, it's just humanity and the military that's really the true villains. I wanted more. It reminds me of the Drive lawsuit. I was misled. I thought this movie <laughs> would have a lot more alien in it. <laughs> I, I didn't sue. I could have sued J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, but I didn't. But I thought I would get a lot more alien monster. Yeah. Maybe that's right. partially my fault for being too hyped on Cloverfield and thinking that I'd true. get a lot of Cloverfield-esque moments, but... I get the movie really centers more around Joe and friendship and family and, the mm-hmm. you know, loss and that, and that type of thematic elements. Mm-hmm. It's not really, it is a monster movie, but it also is not a monster movie. So I'm torn on my three minutes of screen time with Alien. Yeah. But it seems like we all kind of are in the same boat in that sense.
2: Yeah, it just wasn't executed perfectly, I guess. Even if we disagree on, like, how it should have been executed, it just wasn't necessarily, like, the best it could have been.
0: But to go back to Ren's point, and I like this point because I actually have it written down in my notes, is the visuals of the monster lazy? And honestly, when I watched this movie, I really was expecting some really cool looking monster, but it feels like a Cloverfield clone to me. So this is the
3: thing: is that I like the design of these kinds of monsters. Mm-hmm. It's just once again, this goes back to you know the people in charge. We we know that like. Or I, I found out that it's actually the same artist who did the Cloverfield monster and did this monster as well. It's like you're getting hired by, you're being trusted by a big Hollywood director and you can't, or they, they make a pass or they agree on this design that looks very similar to a monster, which by the way is very closely connected with this director.
0: I'm really not a fan of the design of the monster. I'll be really honest. I think that it is lazy. I expected more out of it. I like yeah. it. Not say I don't like it. That's because I like the Cloverfield monster. But it feels just like the Cloverfield monster. And JJ had made it very apparent and obvious. That this movie was not in the Cloverfield universe. Mm-hmm. So I think I went into yeah. the, went into this. Expecting something completely different. When I felt like I got something just more of the same.
3: It looks kind of like General Grievous from, like, the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Be- between its face and, like, the way it, like, ran away with all the legs. I was like, True. very
0: General Grievous-esque. Grievous-esque? Okay, yeah. I-, I can see that. I can see that. Mate, how do you feel about the design of the monster?
2: Of course, like, as a as a kid, it didn't, like, bother me a whole lot because, like, I hadn't seen Cloverfield. But, mm. Watching it now, it really just doesn't stand out because I, I kind of forget what it looks like every time before I go yeah, back in yeah. and watch it. Whereas like E.T., you know what E.T. looks like. I mean, he's kind of ugly, but it's very, very <laughs> you di- know very what distinct. E.T. looks like. Yeah, it's very distinct. <laughs> or like even Stranger Things, the Demogorgons. That's a very unique look, I think. Like yeah, I, I know what yeah. a Demogorgon looks like. The fact that it doesn't really have a distinct thing in its ship is kind of just like CGI mush. You know, yeah. it's, it's not like a cool practical or the the Rubik's cube things are cool, but then it just turns into a regular ship. So that's not super memorable.
0: Now, do you guys think a part of its lack of creativity and a part of its design flaws stems from the possibility that it doesn't have a name? We don't know what to call it. You know, you have like Nate huh. mentioned, you have a Demogorgon. Mm-hmm. We call it the Demogorgon. And the Cloverfield right. monster, I believe it's called Clover or like Clovey but yeah. it has a name. It's a Cloverfield monster, at least. What do you call this thing? It doesn't have an alien name or even something we can call it. There's no identity to it.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of it, too, is like they try to, at the last minute, forge a connection between Joe and the monster, but there really is no real connection. So because the characters in the film aren't connected to it, and the only one that was is killed off like 40 minutes in, it's it doesn't stand out as an actual character. It just seems like a thing.
0: Yeah, the lack of its development really hurts, I think, what the message is trying to present to us. All right, we've made some good chicken points. But now let's go to what kind of bear is best? Question What kind of bear is best? That's a ridiculous question. False. (laughs) In this section, we are nitpicking the movie in the forms of questions. I'm going to start it off here because I have a really good one for you guys. Okay. Imagine you're trapped inside of a cave. and You're held prisoner by an alien monster. For some reason, you get the option. Let's say the U.S. government is able to make connection with you. Hey, Nate. Hey, Ren. We're going to save you. We're sending you our best team in. Do you want the Super 8 crew to save you? The Stranger Things crew to save you? Or oh. the Losers Club from It to save you? My God. Now, before you make a decision, I'm going to give you some pros and cons of each. Super 8 crew... They can record your experience on camera, potentially turn your traumatic experience into a profitable film, <laughs> yeah. so you can potentially profit off this experience. Okay. They also do great acapella, so if you want to sing Maestro or other classic 80s, 70s hits, <laughs> they will be there with you. Excellent. Okay. Con, Martin throws up a lot, so if you are queasy you don't like puke, that might be an issue. That's a Super, okay. that's a super 8 crew. Okay. Stranger Things crew, I have to say the one thing about the Stranger Things. They can save you, but 11 has no powers. So you have to assume oh. 11 has no powers. Okay, because I was about to say yeah. this is
2: a slam dunk for a Stranger Things crew.
0: <laughs> it would be a slam dunk, but I have to make this fair. Okay. 11 has no powers. Some pros okay. about Stranger Things. You got a better supporting cast. You got Steve Harrington helping you out. You got Nancy helping you out. You got Hopper helping you out. A big con, though. Will Byers is infected with uh, the upside down, so he may turn on you at some point. True, yeah. It's kind of a big con. <clears throat> the mind flayer. And lastly, the Losers Club. Well, here's some pros. They personally have faced their fears because it can transform into your worst fear. So we know mm-hmm. they're very brave. So that's a big plus. Uh, the Losers Club, that's a really cool name for a, a group of kids. That's it a is. huge plus. Excellent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big con, though. You have to take a blood oath by slicing your hand with a dirty piece of glass. Yeah, considering our conditions in the world and pandemics and how we're very aware of how unsanitary things are might not be the best thing to uh, consider. Mm -hmm. The worst part about this is if for some reason Loser Club fails, uh, it will probably actually bite your head off, like literally bite your head off. So consider (laughs) the potential of death as a failure. Wow. So I'm going to turn to Ren first. Ren, who are you choosing to save you? Wow. From an alien hostage situation.
3: All right, so this is great. Uh, you set the table once again perfectly. So eleven key points, though. Eleven no powers. No powers. Uh, mm-hmm. Losers' club have they already experienced Pennywise in they this? They have. Scenario? Yeah,
0: they have experienced Pennywise. They've beaten them for the first time.
3: I think based on that uh, experience and the camaraderie that they've had already, I think it's an easy. Uh, answer for me to go with the Losers Club. Mm. Losers
0: Club is your choice. I'm All right, going Losers Club based okay. on their
3: experience. Nate,
0: Nate, turning to you. Who do you want to save you in an alien hostage situation?
2: Man, this is this is a this is a tough it's situation. Tough. Uh, no offense to the Super Eight crew. I love them, but um, <laughs> I'd rather be I'd rather be helped than filmed. Good point. It's a good point. And then I think the the Stranger Things crew. I don't know. I love It Chapter One. That's one of my favorite movies. And I love the book. I'm glad we're not going with the book version of The Losers Club, though, because... Yeah,
0: let's let's avoid the book version. Yeah. I know some crazy things happen in the book yeah. version. Let's not so, go that route. Let's stick yeah. with the movie. <laughs> um,
2: I think... I don't know. I love The Losers Club, but I got to go with The Stranger Things crew. I think I just vibe better with Steve and Nancy and that crew you know will i guess will has the mind flare but i don't know
3: that's what scared me off i was like this is a very volatile you know it gets pretty hot here in memphis
2: it gets pretty hot here in memphis so like if we just stick him outside (laughs) for a bit it's pretty humid he'll probably sweat it out it'll be fine
0: wow good points good points there
2: joe where are you going
0: (laughs) i think i'm with nate on this one i think i vibe better with the the stranger things crew
2: good taste of music too
0: they have great taste in music. Sort of the Super 8 crew, but True. I think it just vibe better what? with Steve and Nancy. We have new kids on the block. <laughs> the Losers Club <laughs> is, is a good choice, too, though. I think that's a good choice. I'm not saying it's a bad choice, but I would also go Stranger Things route.
2: You got Winona Ryder and, you know, you got Hopper in there. Like, they're just, it's just people of all ages... It's, it's a vibe. I like, I like that
3: oh, vibe. Oh, man. I didn't think we could draft that far out. Okay. <laughs> man. <laughs> Maybe okay, I Okay, close I second for me.
2: I got a, I got a pretty big nitpick, and it stood out to me oh, a lot of this, watch, this time. This monster. Pretty big dude. How does the monster sneak around without making a sound and steal stuff like engines out of cars without the cars being damaged? <laughs> Microwaves from inside houses and stores without things being damaged. But when it's about to attack, is a good point. it's louder than the T-Rex in Jurassic Park and, like, vibrates the <laughs> ground and everything. Like, with the bus, like you can hear its footsteps and all that. So tell me how it stole all that. This is a really good point you
0: bring up for a lot of different reasons. Because when I was watching this and the guy at the used car lot opens mm-hmm. all of his cars and all the engines are gone. It's like, wow, it's right. He's a very meticulous and very careful monster. He just opened <laughs> it up and like took the engine out and, you know, walked away. It didn't it take anything it. else. Just the engine it and closed. <laughs> I can't, I can't give you an answer there, Nate. I just yeah. think this monster is maybe he's really nice when no one sees him. And then when people mm-hmm. see him, he goes crazy. He respects other people's property to an extent.
2: Yeah. Cause it's, it's also weird too. Um, you see all those people hanging from the roof. But they weren't complaining. Like, you hear about the girl with the rollers at the police station. Someone's yeah. complaining. But tons of people have disappeared. And there aren't, like, search parties out for them in the woods or anything.
3: No, yeah, the movie makes no mention of that. Yeah. Only, like, the dogs. And then until the very end, we see, what's there, like, 10, 20 people hanging? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. In that water tower?
0: Let me ask you guys this. If this movie was made in 2020... Okay. What word would be used instead of the word mint? Oh, can I get my kid in here real
3: quick to let me know? Because <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> let me check TikTok real fast. Okay.
0: Here are some options. Would they say that's straight fire? Would they say <laughs> that's lit? Yeah. Say that's lit. Would they say that's dope AF? Mm. Would they say that's extra? Or would they say that's woke? That's a- <laughs>
2: probably not woke oh, i don't choices. know i think i would i think i go with clean
0: Ooh, clean
3: like that's clean, clean. that's
2: fresh probably that we don't know
3: that i don't know that one
0: <laughs> that's
2: fresh fresh seems like a little
0: little too dated that one sounds more like 90s to me right if it's 2020 yeah, yeah. you still hear it though
2: i think clean is one or icy icy
0: yeah i've never heard icy before man mm-hmm. have you heard of icy before no, I haven't. I'm like <laughs> okay, can you just
3: say that we're both from California? I don't know if there's like a Memphis like lingo that like we're just not into or we are a little bit older? <laughs>
0: Memphis, California
3: wow. lingo? I'm learning things. I'm taking notes right now.
2: Yeah, maybe it's a little <laughs> little bit of an age gap, but you know, people talk about, you know, their drip, you know, what they're wearing. Well, uh, okay. I like that, the Driven. drip. the drip. aware. <laughs> but you wouldn't you would never say like, ooh, that's a drip. Like that's that doesn't exist. So oh, I don't know. probably like that's clean that's icy, I see something like that. or that's fire. people say fire or Phi. Fi. people say Phi. I say that sometimes. Phi. Yeah, just it's fire can... but shortened <laughs> <laughs> by this one letter.
0: shortened by one letter but removing the R. That's Phi. Yeah,
3: Phi.
2: That's amazing.
0: Fi. okay, amazing. I will I will start using this this week. <laughs> there Perfect. you go. Would Frank Dunn from Unbreakable survive this train derailment? Mm. <laughs> he totally would, right? <laughs> would he? I don't know. I mean, I know he survives one in the movie Unbreakable, but this is a pretty intense trail-
2: train Man. derailment. I don't know if Frank unless, Dunn would survive Unless there's it.
3: water somewhere in that train, I think he's good.
2: I don't know. Like, it's a pretty violent train crash. And I get the one in Unbreakable is violent too, but in, is the one in Unbreakable, is there an oil tanker that gets, like, yeeted by a, another train car <laughs> into the air and then explodes onto the ground. Like, I don't know. Although, to be fair, the kids all survived. Their car did not have a scratch and their camera was not blown up. So even the, whole, the building point. next Good to point. it, which it was sitting on, blew up. So
0: If Frank Dunn is outside of the train, he probably survives because the kids do survive. True, true. But if Frank Dunn is like the conductor, I don't know. I know he survives a lot of things, mm-hmm. but that one seemed like pretty unlikely. Also, to
2: maybe this should have been with nitpicks, but like, did Woodward have like a bomb on his truck when he hit the front of the train? Because it explodes in like a fiery That bomb.
3: explodes and somehow
0: he survives.
3: Yeah, he's got some
2: scrapes.
0: Maybe Woodward is Frank Dunn and that's the connection is that, that we need to make here. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask, couldn't there have
3: been a better way for Woodward to like derail that train without him being actually
0: in the car? So, I thought about that. But my thought is that he feels so guilty for what oh. he's done to this monster that a part of him wants to kill himself in the process of it. And so that's why he throws himself He also away. mentions
2: too, which is something kind of interesting, they almost hint, hint at like his soul is forever connected to the alien because when he's about to be killed, like he knows he's about to be killed in the hospital, he says, I am in him as he is in me. And so you kill me, you'll know that like I'll be watching you when you try and kill him. So it's like, huh, interesting. So I don't know. Maybe he's not. His spirit lives on.
0: (laughs) Spirit lives on in in an Mm -hmm. alien. Yeah. If you guys were to rank this movie in terms of kids on bicycles (laughs) trying to solve a mystery. Which Nate so eloquently brought up in the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) Does this movie rank in your top three movies about kids and a group of kids trying to solve a mystery? Wow. There's actually surprisingly a decent amount of material out there about this subject you know you obviously have the goonies and we talked about it and we talked about stranger things is it up there for you guys
3: i'm gonna preface this by saying i'm not like a big goonies guy i don't know if i need to like revisit it but we're definitely like in the realm of like et yeah it and then uh super Eight for me
2: my number one um Definitely has like the kids on bikes movie is Stand by Me. I know it's kinda of loose in there. Oh perfect. Oh, nice. Stand by me just No, no, that works. Yeah. Perfectly. Stand by Me is my number one. It just kinda of breaks me emotionally. Like River Phoenix is just incredible in that. Like the fact that he was sure. sixteen is like and gave a performance that way is like mind blowing after that though good good choice after that i'd go with probably the first it not not the tv one but like it chapter one i guess and then i enjoy the goonies but one that's kind of underrated came out two years ago is called summer of 84
3: oh that's like on shutter i need to see that
2: it's actually not it's not too bad it's these kids they suspect their neighbor is a serial killer and they try and figure it out if he is or not and it's like oh okay okay. i think i've seen this trailer before So I enjoy that. But I mean, if we throw in TV shows, Stranger Things is probably one or two.
0: I think I would agree. I'd probably combine both of your guys' Mm. lists. (laughs) I really do enjoy Stand By Me a lot. I do like Super 8 a lot in terms of Kids on Bikes. Um, And I do like It Chapter 1 a lot as well.
3: I need to revisit both Goonies and Stand By Me. That might be a good double feature one of these nights.
0: Good double feature there. Yeah. Let's move to the bare necessities. All right. which element of this film do you think is so necessary to its success and what makes it so good? If we take it away, the movie is no longer good. Is right. there an element or is there not? I'll go to Nate first. Nate, what do you think?
2: I think for me, obviously the friendship is key, but I think actually re rewatching it this time, what stood out to me as the most important part and like the emotional crux of it was the father-son, father-daughter dynamic and how they explore ways of dealing with grief because like alice and joe are the two kids and they're going through they're going through grief from different angles the age gap between them and their parents kind of causes some separation whereas like joe's dad is burying himself in work and joe just wants to be with his friends and away from his home because it reminds him of his mom whereas alice wants to escape her father and befriend the family that he hurt because she feels guilty and then her dad nice. falls into addiction with alcohol so like you get a lot of different ways that people deal with grief at different ages and then at the end they kind of all reconcile and come together and it's like really beautiful and so i think that is probably the key of the film for me without that it would be a little fluffy
0: wow case closed nature shut the door on all of our <laughs> other answers that was so well said i guess to add to that like i think that an important
3: choice that they made that you notice between the two uh main kids in the movie joe and alice is that they're by themselves they don't have any other siblings yeah as well so it's not like they could they they need they need their friends because there's no one at home you Mm -hmm. know to kind of rely and deal with this grief the same way that they are because you know they're dealing with it very differently than their parents are
0: Mm -hmm. you know a part of me went into this category thinking there's not much that's essential i didn't think jj was essential to this movie's success although it is great because jj's involved i do think that other directors could have taken or helmed this yeah. project and have done just as well this is most likely because although it's original work of jj if we mentioned it before it's still very spielberg yeah for sure that a lot of people could have Im- imitated this work and probably done just as well there's no tour de force acting performance in this movie that makes me think that oh without el fanning this movie would mm-hmm. be so bad There's none of that in this movie, but I think I just want to echo Nate's point that the emotional crux of the film is really that relationship of father-daughter, father-son, and the whole thematic element of grief and loss is extremely important. And if this movie had gone forward without that it probably would have not been as successful or as powerful as it really
2: is. Again, like I just feel like that was definitely what stood out to me. It's like I was moved by the end of the movie, despite all the cheesy stuff that was going on, you know, all the nitpicks that um, we've mentioned. I just still found myself moved because they did such a good job with that familial dynamic. And it was like really tragic, but really, really touching. And Kyle, Kyle Chandler yeah. seems like he's always playing some sort of government <laughs> person and <laughs> like he's playing some lost dad or something like that because he's in spectacular now always he's doing that too
0: that's so yeah. funny because i i wrote on my notes kyle chandler he's a also he's always a dad or he's always some type of government yeah. official that's it and in this movie he's a combination he's of both. both yeah perfect <laughs> perfect casting <laughs> he's a great movie mm-hmm. dad though oh, like for kyle sure a
2: lot. he just has enough movie star looks to where like he fits in a movie but he's also like, you could see someone like him being your dad or, like, walking down life. the street. Yeah, it's not, like, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Brad Pitt is my dad that's at home. <laughs> like, no. <laughs>
0: no. Nope. Yeah, Brad Pitt's too attractive to be anybody's dad. But Kyle Chandler is, he's attractive. He's a good-looking yeah. dude. And he has that Hollywood look, but he's just homely mm-hmm. enough to where it's like, that guy definitely coaches football in some Midwest yeah. state. Nah. Sure. <laughs> right on. Ren, do you have anything anything to add to the bare necessities? Anything that you feel like is essential to the movie? Well, I think,
3: yeah, my original point was, you know, the obvious one of the kids. That's that's what really worked and let the movie flow for me is the relationship. I love that, like, during the chaotic scenes where the disasters are happening, the big explosions, Mm -hmm. is that they're constantly yelling at each other. Like, (laughs) these are kids who are so comfortable with each other, that it's there's kind of no hard feelings if, like, they're telling each other, like, how nerdy they are, how they're telling them to, like, dude, stop throwing up or actually throwing up around each other. So, I think that dynamic between them was very cool, but totally agree with both your points of could kind of see other people can helm this movie as director, mm-hmm. as well as, yeah, the emotional heart of it all being the relationship with between the parents and the kids.
0: Let's go to series, spinoffs, and sequels. In this category, we usually talk about whether or not this movie deserves or needs a series, a spinoff, or sequels. I do have to ask, though, do you think Netflix and Stranger Things killed any potential this movie had to have any type of sequel or series? Right,
3: right. I mean, when we first watched like, Stranger Things, I don't know if, like, The whole streaming dynamic, like, just caught us by storm so much that it honestly made me forget about this movie. And to answer your question, I think it kind of killed any any hope for that, right?
0: Before I I say anything, I want to get Nate's opinion.
2: Like I said, Super 8 was like a big movie for me when I was, you know, a kid and a teenager. So when I saw the trailer for Stranger Things, my thought was this looks like Super 8. But I think I think Ren is right though because when Super 8 or Stranger Things came out, I mean, I was obsessed with that show. I still am. I love it. And now most people refer to Super 8 as like, "Oh, it's like Stranger Things." Yes, like if you yeah, introduce yeah. someone for it, you're not going to be like, "Oh, it's like E.T." You're going to say it's like Stranger Things.
0: I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys there. I think that it's an interesting point that Nate made that when we think of Super 8, a lot of people will say it's like Stranger Things when Super 8 came out 5 years earlier than Stranger Things. And to Ren's point, yeah, I think that a lot of people maybe who people who pay attention to movies knew what Super 8 yeah. was before going into Stranger Things. Uh, but there are a lot of people who didn't see Super 8 and Netflix was so widely available to everybody mm-hmm. that yes. when it came out it really did take us by storm. For me, even as a person who saw Super 8 I kind of forgot about mm-hmm. it. I was, yes. like, I was so obsessed with Stranger Things. and such so a cultural
3: intimate. phenomenon. you know.
0: It really was, and it just took over everybody's mindset to the point where Super 8 kind of just got forgotten. I actually see a lot of lists, and if you Google like top underrated movies of the 2010s, Super 8 is always on that yeah. list. Now, the movie mm. made money. We talked about that earlier. It didn't fail at the box office. But for it to be considered super underrated, something had to have happened to make people forget. And I think that's that thing is Stranger Things. Stranger Things happened. We all got obsessed with it. And it's really good, you know, not to knock oh, Stranger not Things. Oh, not at all. I'll never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it just completely made people forget about Super 8. And any hopes or aspirations Super 8 had to make any spinoff or sequel, mm-hmm. not to say that they had any, but I don't think they could ever go back to it now. It's just been one, too long, and two, Stranger Things has been there, done that, you know, right. and done it very successfully.
3: To bring it back to J.J. as well, I think this movie kind of gets swallowed up in his filmography as well between all the yeah, big uh, yeah. intellectual properties oh, that he's sure. a part of. We met, We mentioned Mission Impossible, like, let's think about it this way, we know him as the Lost and Star Wars guy and he's done Star Trek and we hardly say, oh yeah, the, the he did the Star Trek movies from like only what five years ago
0: that's a it's a really good point to bring up jj's filmography yeah that a lot of people don't even remember this movie because he's done so many other things with other intellectual properties it's just kind of fallen on the wayside. for sure
2: and i think a lot of it too is he's kind of branded himself as like the ip guy you know and then there's nostalgia king and i really kind of do wish he would do nostalgia king yeah to do things more (laughs) creatively i mean Obviously, he has a knack for taking things that he loved as a kid and, re- and like, redoing them and updating them. Like, that Star Trek reboot, I didn't like Star Trek. I watched those, and I like Star Trek now. It really boosted the interest in that property big time. And then, of course, he did Star Wars, and I really like The Force Awakens. I I really don't like Rise of Skywalker. I still respect him for...
0: Man of my own heart over here. <laughs> we, can, we can agree to that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's... Let's just not talk about it. But... The Force Awakens is, is a good movie and it revitalized Star Wars and even Mission Impossible three. Mission Impossible was dead in the water because Mission Impossible Two was not good. But it's almost a remake or a reboot and then now it's one of the most successful franchises out there and he still he still produces them. Attached yeah. to them.
3: Your Mission Impossible two comment aside, I agree on everything. Else. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. super super fun,
0: bad action, John Woo. It's it's all it's all fun. Uh, we're getting close to the end, but before we end, I have to do the same thing I do on every episode, and that's throw a quiz. But at both of you, here this we time go. In, oh no, you won't be the only one suffering.
3: I was going to say, I'm glad someone else is in the torture chamber with me on this.
0: So we talked a lot about Super Eight. I was going to say Cloverfield for a second. <laughs> I we talked a lot about suffering. Super Eight. Super Eight, a movie about an alien, about human connection. So this quiz is about movie dads. An obvious direction to go with the quiz. What I'll be doing is (laughs) name me the character of a famous movie dad, at which point you'll tell me which movie this movie dad appears in. Okay. There are three rounds, two questions each for each round. They all get progressively harder. Oh, my God. I promise you I didn't make it as difficult as the last quiz. So I'm sorry about that, Ren, that you had to be uh, subjugated to that.
3: All good. It's all fun.
0: So here we go. Quiz on movie dad's. Start round one off. Ren, tell me, the character Harry Stamper is from which famous movie? Uh,
3: That would be from the movie Armageddon, which we just covered a (laughs) couple weeks ago. So if I got this wrong, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, the Criterion Classic Armageddon is the right answer for Harry Stamper. Nate, turning to you, Gru is from which popular movie series?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gru? Oh, okay, so Despicable Me, right? It would be
0: Despicable Me. I'm I sense over here. a little hesitance in your voice. So I'm glad you got All that right. one right. He is a dad, he does adopt those children. That's Ren, so good. Marlin is from which popular movie? So, like, you don't do
3: animated too much in these, and I'm, like, kind of getting thrown off. I bet. But I'm good still at some Finding Nemo.
0: That is Finding Nemo. Albert Brooks. In Finding Nemo is Marlin. Yeah, wonderful. He's a good dad. Sort of. He's a good dad. Ultimately he's a good dad. Yeah,
3: I eventually mean, a little overprotective, but you know, you you a get where he's but... where he's coming from. Also traumatized, yeah.
0: Nate. Okay. To round off number or to, to finish off round number one, Atticus Finch is from which popular
2: movie? Atticus Finch. Oh no.
0: Uh oh, round one a round one misstep. Oh, no.
2: Oh no. Can I swoop Uh, in? Are are,
3: are
0: there uh,
3: passes here? Swoop
2: in, I don't know it.
3: Uh, Is that from To Kill a Mockingbird?
0: It is To Kill a
3: Mockingbird. Oh no. Atticus
2: Finch. It's bad because I didn't have to read it in school, and so I haven't seen the movie. (laughs) Ooh, okay. That's probably why. It's
0: probably why. It's all right, we're moved to round two. I'm sure there'll be more wrong answers. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Ren, Chris Gardner is from which movie? Chris Gardner.
3: Chris Oof. Gardner. It's like an action movie. Is this like a comedy? It's a drama. It's a drama. Oh. <laughs> Can I pass to Nate?
2: Nate, do you know the answer <laughs> to Chris Gardner? Chris Gardner. <laughs> no, I don't know this one either.
0: Okay, I'll give you guys a hint, Ren. The actor who plays Chris Gardner, he is the real-life father of the son who's also in the oh, movie. Ah, it says Pursuit of Happiness. This is Pursuit
3: oh, of Happiness. Man. Will man. Pursuit of Happiness. It's like when you get that one... Uh, I just think of him okay. as Will Smith. I
2: never remember his
3: name. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair. just the beginning that's of round fair. two. Let's keep it going. Okay. Alright.
0: Nate Clark Griswold. Oh, yeah. Which popular movie series? that the be
2: Vacation? Uh, that's right. What's the, what's the title? National Lampoon's Vacation. There we
0: go. National yeah. Lampoon. The National Lampoon series. Clark Griswold. Christmas vacation's
2: always my favorite of those. I know that maybe that's a maybe that's go. a hot take, but that's my that's my pick. No, that's fine. I my like my hot vacation. take is
3: my favorite is Vegas vacation. Whoa, wow. major,
2: major <laughs> hot take there.
3: That's a that's a blistering, controversial yeah, take. A
2: take that hot would get the mind flare out of Will Byers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ren, Graham Hess. is from which movie? Graham Hess. Yikes. Oh, you're uh, gonna be real disappointed when I tell you this answer. Let dear. me let me give you another hint. Father Graham Hess. is from which movie?
3: Oh God! You know what? You like set me up because these are movies that we just talked about. Okay, this is from the movie Signs, which Joe and I. It have, is from uh, the
0: movie Signs. Texted
3: excessively about recently. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> M Night Shyamalan Signs. Hot take that is M Night Shyamalan's best movie. An episode on that will come out one day, okay. I promise you. Yeah, that, that is
2: a great movie. Uh, I like that film a lot. Love signs.
0: Nate, to finish off okay. round two, Bob Parr. That'd be The Incredibles. Is which famous movie, Dad? Whoa, whoa, I didn't even finish. Nate knew it already. Bad. That is The incredible. little excited there. <laughs> no, a little excited. Okay. A little, excited. <laughs> a little excited. He hit that buzzer really fast. Bob Parr is correct. He is the Mr. Incredible in The Incredibles. All right, guys, we're going to finish off round three. Hopefully these are pretty easy. I mean, they're not too hard, but I guess we'll find out right now. <laughs> Ren, Mac McGuff is a which famous movie father? Max McGuff.
3: I feel like this is an
0: action movie. This not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's
3: not it's a drama. It's
0: a dramedy. It's a dramedy.
3: Dramedy. Max McGuff. Well, it's like repeating. It's gonna help me now. Yeah. Nate, can you swoop in on this one? Please swoop in and help me out here.
2: Well, you know what? I thought I knew what it was, and then you said it wasn't an action movie, so...
0: <laughs> Once Joe
3: says the answer, yeah, I'm
2: going like to kick myself. I I'm going to kick like... myself, too, but I don't know it.
0: Mac McGuff is the father of Juno McGuff in the popular movie uh, Juno. You're right. Nate. Damn it. Howard Langston is which popular movie dad? Howard Langston.
2: Howard Langston. This is on the tip of my tongue. I feel like, I, and I feel like I watched this recently.
3: For the record, please don't pass because I have no idea as well. (laughs) I'm throwing my buzzer away.
2: Howard Langston. Is there a genre? Can I get a genre hint?
0: A genre hint? Christmas movie.
2: Christmas movie? Well, then you're right. Maybe I didn't watch this recently. (laughs) I think I got it. Is it It's a Wonderful Life?
0: No. Ren, who do you think it is? Is it Jingle All The Way?
2: It is jungle All the Way.
0: Howard Linkson is Arnold Schwarzenegger's. I was trying to think you
2: said Christmas movie, and I was like, all right, well, that definitely wasn't what I was thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay.
0: Ren. That was hard. (laughs) Brian Mills is which famous movie dad? Brian Mills. Jeez. It's also a popular movie franchise.
3: Like, it's like another action one. It
0: is an action series.
3: Uh, I got nothing on this.
2: All right, I know this Can one. Can Nate swoop in for this one? It's the Fast and Furious franchise, right? It is not the Fast. It's and not. Franchise. Oh man, if it was that,
3: I would have like Wait. jumped off. Oh my god! I
2: thought that's Paul Walker's character. Uh, no, Brian Mills is
0: from the Taken series. Shoot! Oh Taken series. dang it!
2: God dang it. it!
0: Oh, who, who it's knows okay, guys. that? Who knows
3: that <laughs> Liam Neeson's name in those movies is
0: Brian Mills? Yeah capping off this last round Sonny Koufax is which popular movie dad?
2: Sonny Sunny Koufax? Sonny Koufax I've heard this name I'm sure you have, it's a very popular yeah. movie Yeah,
3: I think you've, think you've seen this
2: I probably have
0: it will help you out okay. here Dad is in the title of the movie
2: He's in the <laughs> title of the movie? The
0: word dad is part of the title of the movie <laughs> the,
2: Oh wow uh i i'm blanking yeah sling it sling it to, right. to
0: take
3: it over this movie is big daddy starring adam sandler oh
2: dang it big daddy yeah. sunny Kofax i don't know if i'm biased but like
3: i feel like this that was like a round one question for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was that was a round three questions so i was looking up these questions
2: that was hard. i had no
0: idea his name was sunny koufax and i would have uh yeah. most likely failed that you guys did a pretty good job though i will admit that
2: that was fun i'm a little disappointed in myself i, I have to admit
0: no, yeah, I wouldn't be too disappointed. You got some good ones in there. You know, Ren, mm-hmm. both of you guys missed some hard ones, some easy ones. Don't even worry, but it's a lot of pressure. Oh Brian for Brian sure. Mills.
2: I will say though, that Brian Mills one through me. Is his name I, you? I'm so I heard Brian, I was like, oh, movie franchise. But no.
3: It is like it's like Brian like Spillner or Spilman, something, something weird.
0: To give Nate credit, his name is Brian O'Connor.
3: Brian O'Connor. Brian O'Connor.
2: Okay.
0: To be fair, you were close. Yeah, at least I
2: had the first name right. (laughs) So
0: as we end this podcast today, I always like to ask everybody, so I'm going to start off with you, Nate. What did you learn today? What are you taking away from our conversation on Super 8 today?
2: Taking away um, that Stranger Things kind of killed my childhood and revitalized my childhood at the same time. Because I would have (laughs) loved loved a Super 8 sequel up until Stranger Things came out. And then I'm like, just give me season 2 of that.
3: (laughs) I learned that... It's time for J.J. to do another original movie. Facts. He's messed around in the Star Trek world, the Star Wars world. He, he capped the Skywalker sa- saga. Let's go back to an original work. A- anything. Mysterious. If you want to make it like Felicity again and do like a drama, dramedy, go for it. But something new, please.
0: Yeah, perfect. I think both of you guys' points are great. Um, I think what I'm taking away from this movie and our conversation today A lot of what Nate said about the importance of the emotional relationship between Mm. father and son and the chemistry of the kids is really what makes this movie so good. Yeah, for sure. I'm taking away that the word icy could be used as the word (laughs) cool. Actually, that's what I learned. Scrap everything else. (laughs) Icy and clean. I've learned that Frank Dunn probably would have survived the the train derailment. Is that what you (laughs) agree on? That he would have survived? Yeah,
2: I think so. I mean, if Woodward, if Woodward, a normal guy can survive getting hit head on and his truck exploding, I think Frank can make it. That's
0: true. Frank can make it. Good points. Good points. But as we're ending, Nate, I want to thank you again for being a guest on our podcast. It was a blast having you here. Absolutely. I loved it. Tell us again and tell the audience, please, where we can find you. You can find me on
2: Instagram at all underscore at the end. I post different lists, um, like cinematography lists, favorite film lists. I'll eventually be doing like director lists, director retrospectives, and I do reviews as well. I just like uh, talking about film with everybody on there. It's how I met these awesome gentlemen right here. So um, give me a follow, Perfect. and we can talk movies sometime. Love it. You guys awesome.
0: heard that? Make sure to follow Nate at All Things Reviewed on Instagram. Be sure to follow us as well on Instagram at House of Cinema. Follow us on Twitter as well. Make sure to rate and subscribe and leave comments on apple and nate will be back surely in the future for another episode maybe twister i'm game
2: whatever there you go whatever it is i'm game
0: whatever it is he'll be back soon and thank you for listening everybody see you next week